0: Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. My name's Rachel Williams and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, which is of course the peak industry body for the tourism industry in this beautiful state of Tasmania. If you're a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. And if you're a first-time listener and enjoy today's episode, Remember that there are now over 80 Talking Tourism conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts, or you can simply stream them on the TICT website. Now, let's get into today's conversation. I'm joined by two amazing humans. I have Chris Davis, the General Manager and Co-Founder of the Van Diemen Project. Hello to you, Chris. Hi, Rachel. And I also have Jessie Mistogle, who is the Director of Schools and Curriculum at Illuminate Education Australia, which is a sister company to the Van Diemen Project. Hello to you, Jessie. Hi. Now, Chris, I'll start with you. Give us a little bit of a background to the Van Diemen Project, of which you were also the co-founder.
1: Yes. So, we exist to enable opportunities because Tasmania is a great place. And so, we want to make the most of all the opportunities that exist here. So we help businesses um, all through their life cycle and and start up businesses. So people with ideas or a dozen ideas um, and bring those ideas to life and to make the most of those. So enabling opportunities is, is what we say we do. Because
0: that's obviously the challenge. Anyone can have a great idea. It's how you actually get it from the, the pen and paper into reality, isn't it? Yeah,
1: getting it out of the head and getting it down on paper and then making sure that there are customers out there. And, and we see all sorts of ideas that, that come to life and, and all sorts of strange things so you think, oh, but they happen and and, and fantastic and Tasmania is a great place to do that.
0: And obviously um, you've got over 30 years of, of business experience with business solutions and finance and advising a number of different businesses in, in any number of fields. Give me an idea of how the Van Diemen Project grown over its journey.
1: So we started out with a, to run the business off the side of our desk out of a co-working space that we run here at Launceston. And then all of a sudden, we've got a whole range of customers and a whole range of programs. And so we've been running now for five years next next month. And in that period of time, we've worked with 4,000 people on, and businesses one-on-one. And just in, here in Launceston and northeast Tasmania, so uh, we're sitting here at, at, at Silo's Hotel in, in Launceston, and and within 100 k's of here, we've worked with 4,000 individuals one-on-one, plus countless hundreds and hundreds of more that have been to workshops and a whole range of different things. So it's been a wild journey um, to go from where we started started with an idea off the side of our desk through to where we are now, which is, is yeah growing team. We've we've grown by two and a half times this year alone and, and plans to grow more
0: uh, as we go on. So, yeah. Well, I want to talk all about these ideas and how we can help the tourism industry develop their ideas uh, into the future. But I will welcome in now Jesse Mistogal, who, as I said, is involved with the, the schools and curriculum side of the business through Illuminate Education Australia. Give us a plug, Jesse, what, what does that actually involve?
2: Yeah, so the Van Diemen project is just an absolute no-brainer as a sister company for us because we're focused on empowering people, but the next generation. So we look at working with students from grade 4 to grade 12, and empowering them to be the confident, creative and capable young people they have the potential to be. Um, our motto is to believe in tomorrow today and that's that whole concept of we want to empower students to believe that they can have real impact on their futures today and uh, we do that through our Illuminate Next Gen Challenge um, which has a wide range of applications through agri-science and tourism and a whole range of things where um, students design their own businesses in response to a problem or an opportunity in their local region. And yeah, we've up we were about 10 years old now and we've worked with over 15,000 students across Australia and probably closer to 20,000 now. But yeah, so it's been a, a fantastic journey and we absolutely love what we do. Fantastic. Well, look, we've got about 20 minutes between us to, to try and impart
0: some of your knowledge and wisdom onto our Talking Tourism listeners. So give me a little little bit of an idea around some of the quickfire innovation processes um, that you've been discussing when you presented at the Tourism Council Conference?
2: Yeah, so this morning we looked at what were some of the challenges that organisations and businesses within the tourism industry were facing, um, preventing them from delivering excellent experiences. And there were some really diverse and interesting ideas that came out. But one of the big things that we feel um, that came out of that as a problem was that addressing employment and the workforce coming through. So looking at those potential people who are going to be stepping into this as a potential long-term career and how we can address the problem of their Not being those people there at this point. There there were other things around investment and things like that, but that seemed to be the major one is around employment. Okay, I can hear
0: and see people nodding their head as they're driving along in the car listening to this interview, because the hospitality and tourism industry, it is so cyclical, it's calendar-based and seasonal. What was the advice that you gave in terms of, you know, being able to provide some solutions to that challenge?
2: Absolutely. And I think, Part of what we're doing this morning is getting operators to think through their own solutions and how they can create viable solutions on their own before relying on any government incentives or policies to come in, because those are all well and good. They're lovely as an extra bonus on top. But I think the biggest advice is to think about what are some of those viable, actionable ideas that you can put into place in your organisation on your own before relying on anyone else to implement. So things about attacking or looking at which age group you address. So looking at that high school age before they're starting to make up their minds of what they want to do with their life and breaking down some of those misconceptions or some of those perceptions that we have of the visitor economy being a for now career, but actually something that is viable and exciting and and such an interesting career to take take on long-term is um, definitely where we need to be aiming some of those solutions.
0: And there are so many innovative operators around at the moment who are engaged and and want to provide that Mm. uh, experience where they're an employer of choice for the long-term. What are some of those, you know, more finer details around how they can, you know, engage
2: people along those lines? I think it's definitely being present with the story of where we fit as a community and looking at that domestic tourism side of things, especially now that we've got so many travel restrictions and how we can break that idea with those up-and-coming people into the career of tourism is not a dying industry. When there comes big challenge like COVID restrictions – also comes massive innovation, and it's this really exciting precipice of a time that we're in where we can do so much with this industry. We can innovate, and it's about getting into that ground level with those, with students, uh, with local operators, with local training providers, and sharing that innovation, the excitement, not you know, address the problem, but focus on what the possibility is for the future and get people to just think creatively. And I'm assuming
0: you've got lots of, I shouldn't say kids, but young adults as well in in their school system that are
2: keen to engage? Absolutely. I think as soon as we break down and break through the misconceptions and, and those perceptions that they have of the visitor economy, as soon as we break those down, we start looking at the possibility those students have such great ideas and it's about empowering them to know that those ideas are valid and they have a place and they can actually add such great value to what the future of our tourism industry has. And Chris,
0: is that something you've found through your work with the Van Diemen Project over the last five years, that really critical issue of being able to work out what your problem is and then how to solve it.
1: Definitely. And understanding that the if you do what you've always done, the best you can hope for is what you've what you've always got. That's the best you can hope for. And I, I think that we now understand that you actually can't get that um, anymore. So you have to do something different. No matter what business you're in, you have to do things and iterate and change. And, and, and what we see is... Um, Uh, a problem today wasn't a problem yesterday. So problems can... can, So we need to solve them. We need to keep moving forward and looking forward and looking for innovative ways to to do that and to train our people and be willing to invest in in young people. So that might mean um, paying for a responsible serving of alcohol or facilitate having a registered training organisation come into your organisation so that they can deliver those solutions that solve the problems you've got. If you haven't got staff that are able to um, be qualified, Find ways to make them qualified, and, and and so so think outside the box, and and not what not wait for things to come to come to you. So be proactive.
0: And does it fill you with confidence? And perhaps um, you can pass this on to other tourism operators that there there is this resource oh, within th- the state of all these young kids graduating that really could have a great long term career. Uh,
1: very much so. Very much so. And and, and uh, as a parent with a with a sixteen year old teenage daughter, um, her working in, in the visitor economy is, is something she'd like to do on a casual basis, but it's not something that her or any of her friends consider as being a long-term career. It's a for now opportunity. And that's sad because the visitor economy can work and the tourism industry in general can work as a long-term career option. It provides the opportunity to see people having amazing experiences and offering great service and and a whole range of different things, whether that be at the back of a house as a chef or front of a house or in hotels or, or working for a wheelchair tour or, or a whole range of things that is possible for people to have long-term careers in the tourism industry and we don't I don't think we market that very very well to our teenage children and we need to um, uh, provide as a career pathway option for them
0: how do we change that perception I
1: think we need to get into schools very 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 early and 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 say, hey, this is an amazing thing, opportunity for you guys to to get in. And, and whether it be working in a large organisation or working in a small tour during summer over school holidays whilst we're at school, seeing the visitor economy as a career pathway and customer service as a career pathway is, is a way to do that. And starting starting at, at 14, 15, 16 and then offering, in, once we have people involved in the industry, then promoting them through and... and mm having a leadership, maybe a young person's leadership program um, like TAS Leaders or something along those lines to be involved with the tourism industry.
0: So these future um, industry professionals that we're hoping will, will get involved in the industry, what will the customer be like that they're serving sort of in the in the short to medium term future? what What does a customer really want these days?
1: Experiences. They want a story to be told. They want. They want to. They want to share stories. They want to feel things. They want to be emotions. And, and we, we all get busier every every day. And so so it's really critical that that when we're not busy and we're having that downtime that we're having experiences that are important to us, and each one of us is something different each one of us for me it's it's somewhere warm with the feet up and a good book and and, and away we go for someone else it's it's zipping a, a rope line or, or rafting down a river or doing something else for each person that's that's completely different. but what we want as as consumers in this space is experiences and and to share stories and 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 feel things and, and we won't remember what we did, but we will remember what we feel.
0: And is that something you agree with, Jesse? Obviously, you're not going to be ziplining anytime soon. She's sitting here pregnant with her third child, uh, nearly due. Um, I don't want you zip lining. but what do you feel like the customer's going to be looking for?
2: I think Chris has absolutely hit the nail on the head. We all are sitting in this very uncertain time and there's lots of anxiety, uh, especially around relying on whether things are going to happen or not. And I think, when it comes to what our customers are looking for, they're looking for things like reliability. So offering something that's flexible, that we can rely on something happening, that we can feel something and engage in something but having a flexibility in that, that it will still go ahead no matter what, is something really, really important. And I think having that sense of security of, you know, I can enjoy my holiday even if I'm locked in my house. I can support my local tourism nest- network even if I'm in lockdown or no matter what my circumstances. So having that diversity is really, really important as
0: well. And so how do you think Tassie tourism operators can enhance every customer experience so that they can stand out from the crowd and and be that business of choice that people can rely on?
2: I don't think it's a matter of a single business being able to stand out on a, on its own. And I think this is something that Tassie does really, really well. It's, it's about a community approach and it's about businesses working together and sharing their strengths and weaknesses and actually pairing up and using the services that are out there like the Van Diemen Project who... Are there to support and make those connections. Connections and networks are so important. Um, so, looking at our um, businesses that are based on face-to-face experiences or being in the space, partnering with things in our tech industry and our digital solutions industries, where they can come together and actually build new experiences, new engagement opportunities that can fill that gap when we have lockdowns and travel restrictions or capacity restrictions and things like that. So, looking at where we can partner is going to be so important.
0: So I want to talk about another element of your presentations throughout the Tourism Conference being using design thinking for visitor experience. What is design thinking? It's a
1: customer-centric approach to to solving problems. So so what we're doing is we're looking to understand what our customers, who our customers are, what are their problems, what are their needs and defining those and and ho- most businesses have multiple customer sets but 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 defining who our customers are and for each one set of those customers um, we we then define um, what their problems and what their needs are so then we have solutions as to what they need. And, and all too often, hey, I'm guilty of this, um, uh, coming up with a bright, shiny thing, a really good idea, it's a really good idea, because I say so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we believe you. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you have them too, Rachel, where that a really good idea, our oh, customers will buy that, that service or that product, and because it's a really good idea. But there's no fact behind that. So what we then do is t- t- find out whether that's really what our customers want or our potential customers want. So who are they? What are their problems? What are their needs? What solutions are they really looking for? And can we build something to suit that? So and we do this in short, sharp sprints. So so we we build something. Does it work? We get customer feedback. Yes, no, and away we go again. And and one thing we are scared to do in Australia is, is fail. Um, we we're scared to fail because oh we'll keep doing that because we've always done it or we come up with the idea and we've sunk so much money in it we've got to keep doing that well that's not the way to do it the idea is to get it going as a as a minimal viable product or as the smallest idea as we can possibly do to make it viable and then go and test it and get customer feedback yeah that's good. that bit was good that didn't work so we've got to then change and iterate and continually be improving. And, and this is a cyclical cycle so that we're always iterating. We're always doing something different. We're always improving according to the customer feedback we've got, but we're doing it based on fact. So the design thinking is a customer-centric or human-centric approach to solutions that real customers have. Um, and part of the session we had is we actually talked about, hey, I've got a new idea, but I don't have enough of my customers that do this or not. How do I actually find that about? Well, who are those customers? to find those customer personas down and what else do they do? What else do they buy? What other experiences do they go looking for? And what's the feedback they give those businesses? And in this day and age, Google reviews, Facebook reviews, Chipper Advisor, and a whole myriad of other places that we can get information from, from those customers. But if we don't understand who our customer is up front, we can't go looking for what their experiences really are. We really need to phone in on who our customer is. And target those people.
0: So, family business, you know, in the tourism industry, down down by the corner shop. How do they actually do that? Is that a case of surveys? You know, it's, give me an it's, example it's, of what you've so helped whole, the company it's, it's do. It's a
1: whole range, a whole range of things. So, it's understanding that what are we, what are we offering? What problems do the customer ha- have, and then we've developed the solutions from that. So, real life example is. Um, uh, a wilderness experience on a a river um, and they make up their mind that the customer does want to do this and all indications are that they do. We think it's a good idea. It's a great experience and the customers all give great feedback but how do we get our message out there? Um, particularly in current times where we relied so heavily on interstate and international tourists um, at the moment, neither are happening, well, very few. Um, so, so we've got to then iterate our message for our Tasmanian market. So, so in my, what we're doing now is helping people change the messaging for the Tasmanian market. Because no longer is it worth running ads for the individual small mum and dad business operator in Sydney or Melbourne, because we're unfortunately a little while away from having Sydney or Melbourne um, visitors come. So we've got to iterate our message for the Tasmanian market. So um, what does the Tasmanian tourism market want? So what does someone in Hobart want for a Northern Tasmanian experience or vice versa? So, So understanding and change our messaging around that. And that's what we're spending a fair bit of time now, because... Um, I'm a sixth generation Tasmanian, and when I grew up, we went to the east coast, or we went went bush somewhere, and we stayed in a shack, on a caravan, or in the tent. We didn't pay for accommodation. We didn't have short, sharp stays, and all that type of thing. It was a major catastrophe for the family to pack up the old HQ Holden and, and go away, and uh, go away for for ten days or whatever. It was a production, um, and and so that it's not like that anymore.
0: And one thing that I was interested in too, I didn't realise that nearly eighty percent of all travel was actually booked through travel agents. Not that long ago.
1: Not that long ago. So in the nineties, I worked for a nasty advertising agency, and we sold um, um, advertising to tourism-based businesses. And in Tasmania, in the in the mid nineties, yeah, nearly eighty percent were booked by travel agents. So they'd fly in, and it's the days and I. Talk to, talk to younger people now and go, hey, it cost us 500 bucks at least each way to get in and out of the state. So people came in, they toured the state, did the lap around the state for seven to 10 days and were gone and never come back again. Now the travel people come and they'll come and we have friends out of Melbourne and Sydney when they can come, they, they come down and they'll be here for a weekend, fly in Friday afternoon, be gone on Sunday or midweek, Tuesday through Thursday, and, and they'll do a corner. So they'll do the of Valley we'll do some wineries, we'll do some good restaurants and we'll be gone. And we'll come back again next year and we'll go and do the Huon or we'll go and do Stanley or whatever we'll do. And, and there's a whole range of people because the, the airfare industry, when, when it's, it's, it's so, so the tourism market has changed, we need to change our messaging. In and around that, because people no longer book via travel agents. Well, didn't.
0: <laughs> so let's just break it down in the different stages of design thinking and how can tourism operators step through them themselves yep. without your help. Yes. On you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the first one is understanding the company that the customers' needs, empathising. Um, and, and, then, and then designing a solution for understanding the customers. Once we've understood the customer needs and identified their problems, we can then design the solutions that, that we, we can move. Then we then ideate the the concepts. We then prototype, so we build small, sharp solutions, and then we implement. And, and so we do that and we go that's it's not a linear process so you can go from from the the empathizing with the customer right through to implementing in one go I'll miss the other three steps in between um, but the concept is we continually it's a, it's a looped process we're continually testing ideas we're continually going going around and, and um, making sure we've got right and for dis- different customer sets so this is not a set and forget and as I said if a business is doing now what they did five years ago they probably won't be doing it for memory much longer Um, So we need to continually be iterating and changing.
0: Fair enough. And Jessie, is that something that you sort of talk about through your education program as well? Is it similar? Yes,
2: absolutely. So um, we've expanded upon the design thinking process and we've designed what we call our innovation process. So we do something quite similar and exactly the same in the sense that it's not something that's just linear. Um, We try and encourage students to actually sit in each stage and explore each stage without jumping ahead. But if you get to the next stage and you find you're really, really struggling with it, you haven't done the previous stage right, so you need to keep going back. And you can continue going back at any point in the process. So we go through um, problem framing, which is identifying uh, what problems we're facing. Then we go into ideation and building ideas and coming up with solutions. Then we develop those ideas in our third stage, which is developing And then we present and prototype, which is our next few stages. And then finally, we implement. And at any point in that, you might find yourself back a stage or back three stages. And it's all about that revisiting, um, redefining, regrowing um, throughout the whole process. And um, in our five-day program, we cover the first five stages um, with implementation as stage six. So if students decide, hey, I want to actually go ahead and do whatever I've done. They can go and implement it, but uh, we cover the first five stages through our process.
0: And is there an ideal timeframe that you should give the implementation of an idea for it to work?
1: We we test with customers. As soon as we start getting feedback from customers, now one person's not real feedback, so we we need a couple of customers together. But after we've had two or three customers coming back and if they're telling us the same thing, well, then there's a fair chance that we've either got it right or not quite got it so right or got it completely wrong. And all of those answers are okay, just as long as we know what we're doing. What we tend not to do is we're scared of feedback because we don't want to hear bad things because we go, put the fingers in the end and go, la, 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 la. And and I I get that too. Getting poor feedback from time to time is a kick in the guts and we don't don't really want that. But that's an opportunity for us to then go, well, okay, then that didn't work. The experience wasn't there as I expected it to be as a, from a customer's perspective. Take it as an opportunity, thank for the feedback and go, what could we do different?
0: And I think too, one of the key points that both of you have raised around that collaborative state uh, statement in Tasmania, it is so strong. And by the sounds of it, a lot of small businesses can get together and they don't have to be a huge business with lots of money to develop a prototype. It's
1: Prototype can be done on paper. You can develop prototypes on paper. So so these are these are ideas and it could be, okay, then we're gonna run a new my tool business, I'm gonna run a new tour. And we've put it down on paper. We've then got evidence as to why we're going to do that because we've seen lots of reviews, or we've got lots of reviews and lots of feedback and and, and concept around iteration. We're going to change, and and we then implement. So so when we say prototyping, and that we're not thinking we're hundred thousand dollar solutions. We're actually thinking things that we can do really, really quickly, really, really cheaply. Hopefully, and 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 get them going and get them up and going to test them as quickly and as cheaply as we can. We call it fail fast. So, so so get it up and going. If it fails, that's okay, so long as it fails fast. There's nothing worse than things failing slow. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we want them to fail fast. So, uh, it's OK. If things fail, things go wrong, that's OK.
0: Learn from it and move on. So if people want some help, you know, with their um, professional or business challenges, they can get in contact with the Van Diemen Project?
1: Certainly can. That's vdp.com.au. Or we even have the phone number these days and we answer at 63491919. That
0: sounds a bit (laughs) old-fashioned, my goodness. And Jesse, from your perspective, getting schools involved... Is that something that any school can get involved with or give us a, a little bit of an idea about
2: your side Absolutely. of things? Absolutely. So uh, we work directly with schools individually. So if there are schools out there, you can definitely get in contact with us. Um, we're uh, au. But we also run a few programs across the year where sti- stu- uh, schools can enter... V- Teams. And um, so we've got one coming up in November, which is delivered across Eastern Australia. And uh, that is fully funded by our partners. So um, there's no registration fee for that. So you can get involved in that one, which is fantastic. But we also do work with teachers and industry and a whole range of different things. So um, if you're interested in Anything to do with the the um, education space or um, early startup space, you know, you can definitely have a chat with us. And we're also always looking for judges and speakers. So if you have something to add to our students, yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm sure, and they're the ones that are going to be, you know, requiring those students into the future. So that yes. would make
2: sense, wouldn't it? Absolutely.
0: Having a presence
2: in the education space is very important.
0: Okay. Now, while I've got you, we're finishing off with the big seven questions. Uh, Favourite spot in Tasmania and why, Jesse? Any rainforest nature walk I'm in. Chris?
1: East Coast beaches, best beaches in the world.
0: Indeed. Favourite travel destination anywhere in the world? I'd say South Africa, mainly because that's where I'm from and that's my family, (laughs) so... You'd be wanting to head back there as soon as the, the borders reopen, don't no you? Yes.
1: <laughs> outside of Tasmania?
0: Wherever you want. Yeah,
1: outside of Tasmania because obviously Tasmania's best in the world. Absolutely. So so from there we've got, um, I'm a bit like warm in the middle of the, this time of year, so um, Bali, Vanuatu, that tropical, yeah.
0: yes. You've got a good board short collection, don't you?
1: Uh, very ugly in board
0: shorts, <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> um, someone coming to Tassie for the very first time asks you what they absolutely must experience while they're here? What do you tell them?
2: Depends what their interests are because we cater to so much of it. But I always say you can't go past our food and wine. So definitely book in and go and experience some of that. You're also looking forward to the wine once the baby <laughs> oh, comes?
1: <laughs> I, I actually go back to Serenity. So, so finding it somewhere that's nice, whether it be a beach that's um, five kilometres long and you've got it to yourself, or in, in a rainforest that you're 20 minutes away from the CBD and there's no one there. So, the, the...
0: Absolutely. How's the serenity? Um, you're walking the overland track for five days with three other people, anyone in the world. They could be famous, not famous. They could even be dead or
2: alive. <laughs> Who and Why? Uh, I think for me, I definitely need a midwife of some description at, <laughs> at this the moment, yes. at this point. Um, I go Nelson Mandela, because he did talk a country out of uh, a civil war, so he can handle any negotiations in there. Um, someone like Isabella Bird, who is a great explorer, um, or someone that's really entertaining, like a Steve Carell or something like that to keep, keep the the us <laughs> going. Absolutely. And yourself, Chris?
0: Uh,
1: just know how do uh, Barack Obama, because I think two people that are, that are leaders, and I think leaderships in our political fields are so something we probably could do some dose of, and it's nice to have them here. So if either of them want a job, we may have one going. Um,
0: <laughs> I think Barack has been mentioned on numerous occasions. <laughs> yeah. He's going to walk the track a yeah. few yeah. times.
1: Yeah, yeah. And may, maybe Jacinta could come as as well and, and take over Australia. Maybe we could become the... <laughs> <laughs> now, that's
0: a, that's a podcast for another day. And your last one?
1: Um, um, I'd have to say either my wife or my 16-year-old daughter both are quite humorous and, and and good time to be around. So yeah.
0: Absolutely. You're in the good books. Uh, Road tripping around Tasmania. What are you listening to in the car? Or, Don't say the wiggles.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I have a very eclectic mix called my fun work mix, which is anything from like a classic fifties all the way through to your nice little headbangers. So just a variety or a uh, pod quiz. So like a Trivia quiz. Okay, excellent.
1: Outside of the tourism podcast.
2: Um, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yes, of course,
0: of course.
1: Sorry, sorry, Rachel. Um, I'm a bit of a news junkie, and I like keeping involved with the community. So, I'm, well, fortunately for me, ABC Radio is something that I have as a uh, when I'm around because I actually on phone calls, in meetings, all day, every day. So those little bits of times I spend in the car, it's generally the radio, ABC radio that I have on.
0: Absolutely. And when you arrive at your destination, what's your tipple of choice when you can drink? <laughs> oh, I do love a really good gin and tonic. Yes.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a bit diverse in this, so this really depends on the time of day, the location, the whole range of things. Whether it's a great craft beer, a, a, one of the great tassie gins or a great whiskey. Or a nice glass of uh, um, pinot, Um, either one or according to the occasion. You
0: are easily pleased. And finally, um, the big debate, curried Tasmanian scallops, a delight or a crime? I am going to be the worst person to ask you because I don't eat seafood. (laughs) Okay, so so each to your own. (laughs) Absolutely. Um,
1: Tassie scallops, anything other than butter is an absolute crime. They don't need anything else. Then hot burnt butter, a pan on, off, and done.
0: Right. Sounds perfect with a pinot. Thank you so much for your time today. So that was Jesse and Chris from the Van Diemen Project and Illuminate Education Australia. I'm Rachel Williams. I've been your host for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, do remember to subscribe to hear more episodes as we do release them every two weeks or so. And please do tell a friend or tourism colleague to check out the podcasts. Talking Tourism is an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. So thank you again for listening and we'll see you soon bye for now you've been listening to talking tourism brought to you by tourism industry council tasmania for show notes other materials and episodes head to tict.com.au be sure to come back every fortnight for a new installment of talking tourism